0: Welcome to As Iron Sharpens Iron, Barnabas and Ellipses, Barnabas and dot dot dot. This is the third installment in a series called As Iron Sharpens Iron, where we're looking at the kind of life-shaping, healthy relationships that God designs. The first week looks at Uh, the story of Ruth and Boaz, and also the life of Jesus, and we look at how healthy relationships happen in families. The second focus is again on Jesus, and also primarily on the relationship of David and Jonathan, shows what healthy iron sharpens iron relationships look like in the context of friend, excuse me, friendship, or just um, any two people. This one focuses on the life of a man named Barnabas. You might call Barnabas the most encouraging man in the world. Uh, You might remember those uh, memes and the commercials that inspired them about the most interesting man in the world. Uh, I realized that that came and went and peaked, I think, in like 2012 or something. That's what my sons tell me at least. And yet, I remember those and they still make me laugh. Uh, You you might imagine that guy standing there saying, I don't always encourage people, but when I do, it changes their lives. Well, yes, that dates me, but here's the reason I share that. That's not just true for exceptions. That's not just true for Barnabas. That's true for every single one of us. When we encourage people in the biblical sense of encouragement, what, what we're talking about right now today, when we encourage people, it literally changes their lives. We first meet this guy named Barnabas in Acts chapter 2. He was part of the Acts chapter 2 church that we keep going back to. It was formed the day of Pentecost, instantly grew to 3,000 people, and just transformed everything. It's an amazing example to us all. He's not named there yet. He's not named until Acts chapter 4. And I'm going to read this. As with all my messages, I sometimes will leave out little little sections of the passage. It's not because I don't care about them or they're not important. It's because we're just trying to read the exact verses that keep us on track. My prayer is always that you go back and read these passages on um, in any version that you prefer. You read the entire thing and you pray about them. You don't just take my word for it. You actually read and study these things and let it sink in your heart. But today I'm reading most of each one of these passages. Today I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And I'm reading most of these passages. If I'm leaving something out, you'll pick up on that if you read it later in your own version. Here we go. All the believers were united in heart heart and in mind. They felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Now, Joseph is actually a pretty stand-up name in the Bible. Almost every single person we meet named Joseph is a good person. There's a follower of God that would be a great example to us all. This particular Joseph though, we know because the apostles themselves gave him this nickname. This is just kind of a quick derail into Bible trivia and Hebrew language trivia which I'm actually not that great at. Hebrew. But the way their last names worked was if you were the son of someone, that was your last name and they'd put the prefix bar in front of your name. For example, there's the beggar named Bar Timaeus. Uh, they didn't even bother to give us his first name because he was, quote-unquote, just a beggar. And yet we know that his last name was Bartimaeus, which means his dad's name was Timaeus. Well, what the apostles were saying by giving Joseph, that we now will call Barnabas, this nickname was this. More than who his background was, who his dad was, who his daddy was kind of a thing. Instead of that, his life, his character, his legacy would be defined by his ability to encourage people in this biblical life-changing life-shaping kind of encouragement that we're looking at today A first big action point for us to get there first thing we see happening in barnabas's own life is this choose encouragement over comfort choose encouragement over comfort here's the truth encouragement is very rarely that comfortable for the person giving it to the other person. It's at least a little bit awkward and depending on the situation it can be quite uncomfortable. It's also usually uncomfortable for the other person, the one who's receiving it. But iron sharpens iron encouragement. The biblical kind of encouragement is not about making people feel better. It's about changing their lives. It's about helping them get where they need to go. It's about helping them become what they need to become. If you're trying to use a visual image of encouragement, the biblical sense, you might be tempted to think of like a mother uh, comforting a hurt child. That's a sweet image. It's a beautiful image. I'd even say it's a biblical image, but that's what we call comfort, which is a totally different thing than encouragement. Encouragement chooses effectiveness over comfort. A better image would be the, the death crawl scene in the movie Facing the Giants. That's a great movie, I encourage you to see that. But here's here's what happens If just in case you did not. In the middle there's a training sequence where the coach is training one of the football players. And he has him get on his hands and knees and he's gonna crawl uh, down the field. And the, the player has another player laying on his back and he's blindfolded. He has no idea how far he's going and he doesn't think he can get very far at all. And yet the coach just keeps saying, go a little further, go a little further, dig a little deeper. I don't remember his exact words, but it's a powerful, powerful scene. And the, the player ends up going the entire distance when he didn't think he could even go just part of it. This is what biblical encouragement looks like. Well, this is how Barnabas was the whole time. In Acts chapter 9, we see him play a major part in not only someone's life, but in the entire history of the church, the entire history of the world. We have so much to owe to Barnabas. Acts chapter 9, beginning with verse 26. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Let me stop there for a moment. This is Saul who had been Persecuting the church, Saul, who had been their worst enemy, this is Saul who had seen a vision of Jesus and come to the Lord, who had repented of his sins and been baptized, and starting to be study and be mentored and become a actual Christian, not only Christian but a Christian leader in the town of Damascus, and then fled. A lot of stuff had happened, but most people still saw saw Saul as this guy who was a persecutor of the church but then these two words are almost always significant when you see them because this is how this guy operated then barnabas brought him to the apostles last week we talked about the difference between integrity and reputation this is also a great example of this Integrity is who you are. It's who you are when nobody's watching, who you are when everybody's watching. It's just who you are. It's what you're trying to be. It's what you believe in. It's who you are. It's where all of your energy and passion is going. Sure, you might fail sometimes. That doesn't mean you're not a person of integrity. what, What makes you a person of integrity is that you genuinely are pushing and seeking and working toward the thing that you say you are. Your reputation on the other hand, is what other people think about you. It may be more positive or less positive than it is. It's almost never completely accurate. But in this moment we see Barnabas sacrificing his reputation for his integrity. He really was a man of encouragement. He really was someone who would put everything on the line to help someone else become what they needed to become to help someone else do what they needed to do, go where they needed to go. And at this moment, he was very popular. He was the the guy at their church in Jerusalem. But he puts it all on the line to support this guy named Saul. So Saul, resuming the story, so Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly. The story continues in Acts chapter 10 and 11 where God formally and officially and astoundingly uh, brings the Gentiles into the ever-growing church. Uh, The main players in chapter 10 and 11 are the Apostle Peter and a Gentile leader named Cornelius. And God primarily is using them, but a church is formed in Antioch. And we see Barnabas resume the story in uh, verse 22 of chapter 11. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy. And he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in the faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. Now, quick aside, uh, the idea of us being called Christians was originally kind of a term of derision. They were saying, oh, look at those little Christs. Look at those little Messiah wannabes. <laughs> but the Christians actually really thought, hey, I, I like the sound of that, actually. We are trying to be Copies of Christ not trying to be Christ not actually be them side. There's only one of those but yet We are trying to be like him the name stuck and it's still around today and Barnabas is right in the middle of that by the way During this time story continues jumping a few verses down the believers in Antioch decided to send relief To the brothers and sisters in Judea everyone giving as much as they could this they did entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. And the story continues in chapter 13, all the way up to chapter 15, verse 35. We see Barnabas being a major player in all of Paul's first missionary journeys. Another person on that team was a guy named John Mark. This guy had a lot of connections. In Acts 12, when he was joining Paul and Barnabas, the prayer meeting for Peter was at his mother's house. Uh, He was related to Barnabas, which uh, we read that in Colossians 4, 1. And he apparently did a good job at first. But in Acts 13, we see that he dropped out of a mission trip. And this was a big deal to Paul. Not just a big deal, this was a, a deal breaker. Paul refused from this point on to work with John Mark. But Barnabas refused to let John Mark's ministry in there. Acts 15, verse 36 says this. Their disagreement was so sharp, that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas. Now there's a lot of great stuff happened out of this. And this is one of the ways we see the difference between just being a jerk and just breaking up and going your own way when somebody disagrees with you. And actually being someone who is a person of encouragement at all costs. And this is what happened. Paul chose Silas and Barnabas did not try to undermine them in any way. He encouraged them to do that. Paul and Silas became a wonderful team. Barnabas and John Mark did as well. And because of this split being amicable, because Barnabas did not try to tear saw down behind his back, he did not try to demonize him or or make any kind of a big deal about this at all. Suddenly we had two functional, healthy mission mission teams. That leads us to the second big action point that we can do to be these kind of encouragers. And that is this, take action. Do what needs to be done. Remember, I said there would always be friction Sparks are going to fly. Everybody has to lose something in this process. There's always going to be some, something that hurts in the process, even though everybody wins in the end. That's what Proverbs 27, 17 is telling us. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And Barnabas was not just committed to Paul, he was also committed to John Mark. And it paid off in the end. We'll come back to his story in a second. This idea of encouragement, one more time, I want to make this very clear. It's not just even about words. We tend to think about encouragement most of the time as as saying, hey, good job, or you can do this, or don't give up, or something you'd put on a happy poster with a cat hanging from a tree or something like that. There I am making myself look old again. But here's the thing. Some of the best encouragers in the biblical sense that I see in the scripture were those four guys who brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus. I think it's important to remember, here's another aside, they weren't condemning him. They weren't saying that he was less than them, that he was worthless or worth less than them because of his disability. But if you love someone and they have some sort of a disability, wouldn't you do anything you could to try to help them not have to deal with that? Wouldn't you try to help them fix that problem if you could? Of course you see. It's so obvious that they value him as a person, as a friend. It's so obvious that they're doing everything they can to honor him for who he really is in this moment. And yet they're trying to help him deal with this problem that he has in a healthy way they are not prepared to just let it be they're not prepared to do anything less than help him get where he needs to go help him become what he could become with Jesus help again there's no recorded dialogue from these four guys but that is the very essence of biblical encouragement And then tearing through the roof, that's the very essence of the third big action point that we're looking at today, and that is this. Engage, commit, go all in. Engage, commit, go all in. This relentless commitment, this relentless commitment to do whatever it takes to help someone get where they need to go, to help someone else become what they need to become, do what they need to do, this relentless commitment Commitment to this is exactly what Barnabas was doing when he, quote-unquote, broke up with Paul. He was all in, helping Paul and John Mark. And look at the fallout from this. Look at the fruit of what happened here. It shows the spirit that it was done in. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, which is, by the way, the last book Paul wrote, he said this. He's writing from prison. He says, only Luke is with me. Bring Mark, that is John Mark, by the way. Bring Mark with you when you come for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. It's unclear from the records exactly when this happened but at some point John Mark not only proved himself with Barnabas but eventually reconnected with Paul and not just Paul. 1 Peter 5.13 Your sister church here in Babylon sends you greetings and so does my son Mark. This is John Mark and it's not, again he's not saying literal son he's saying son like Timothy was Paul's son. It's a metaphorical thing. And yet he is working with Peter. In fact, almost all scholars agree that John Mark is the Mark who wrote down Peter's memoirs, which is what we now know as the Gospel of Mark. And we would have none of that. We would have none of the writings of Paul, none of the writings of Peter. None of these things would have happened without John Mark, which would not have happened without Mark's. So what do we do about this? Let's get really practical. How do we live out these truths? How do we make this happen in our lives? Well, first of all, let me give you a quote from Zig Ziglar that I believe in and think is super important. That's this. He says, if you go out looking for a friend, you're going to find they're very scarce. If you go out looking to be a friend, you'll find them everywhere. So here's our Next big action point. Stop criticizing and start encouraging. Stop criticizing and start encouraging. As you go out and you're trying to find friends, again, like Zig Ziglar said, go out to be a friend. Go, instead of trying to criticize people and say, they just don't care about me. They're not like me. They don't like the things I like don't hate the things I think they don't look at life the way I look at life instead of criticizing to try and change them try and encourage them instead of trying to get them to go where you wish they would go or where you are try to help them get where God wants them to go try to help them become what God wants them to become try to help them to do what God wants them to do now speaking even more just laser practical if you're a parent or if you're a mentor or a teacher or anyone else who specifically has a responsibility to help someone become what they need to become, do what they need to do. Listen, when you encourage someone, be honest and specific. Let me say that again. Be honest and specific. Never lie to them, Never say it's gonna be okay if it's not. Never say it doesn't matter that you failed if it really does matter that they failed. And yet you can also be honest that you love them anyway. You can be honest that what they did was wrong or what they did was amazingly right if it was. You can be honest. But you never lie. Second thing is, you, you being specific it means don't just say, hey, you're awesome. You are awesome across the board. You did wonderfully across the board. Tell them exactly what they did right. And exactly what was so awesome. And tell them exactly what wasn't. B- being really honest is always better than being quote-unquote encouraging. Biblical encouragement is not that kind of encouragement proverbs 27 6 just a few verses earlier than our theme verse verse 17 says this wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy that's kind of an awkward verse from our perspective in our culture i don't want to be kissed by even my friend let alone my enemy but here's what that means wounds from a sincere friend means your friend is being honest and specific with you but you know you know deep down that they're speaking the truth in love. You know that they're not trying to hurt you. They're not trying to criticize you. They're just trying to help you be what you need to be, do what you need to do. Whereas an enemy is criticizing you. They're hating you. And even if they're saying positive things, oh, it's okay, you're awesome. You're awesome. I just don't want to be friends with you. You're awesome. I just don't want to follow you anymore. You're awesome. I just don't want to be on your team. That kind of you're awesome is worse. Than the most painful thing a true friend, a true encouraging friend would ever do. As we wrapped up the other a couple weeks ago um, here in church, I actually had a picture of the Titanic up on the screen. Um, seems like a weird thing to talk about with encouragement we know that that story did not end well but this is why i had that picture up and this is what still imagines as we wrap up right now those of you who are listening online thank you for sticking with this this long this is where it gets really really practical and i hope that you can embrace this and live this out number one again choose encouragement over comfort We see this as the Titanic was sinking. The orchestra was commanded to play. The boat is literally starting to tip up. People are dying. People are drowning inside the ship and outside in the water. Uh, There are lifeboats that are leaving already. There are a few people escaping, but trying to calm everyone down, trying to make people feel not so hopeless, the orchestra is still playing. That's not encouragement. That's sometimes seen as encouragement. That's seen as comfort. But that's lying. That's a waste of time. That is not what we're supposed to be doing for each other. The second big action point we looked at today was take action, do what needs done. So, again, the encouragers on the sinking Titanic were not the people going, hey, it's going to be okay. Maybe it won't sink. Just keep playing the music. It was not those people that were trying to help their children go to sleep and sleep through the whole experience. It was the people saying, get in that lifeboat and get in there now. Or at least share your door. You might know what I'm talking about. If you don't, don't worry about it. Here's the third big idea was engage, commit, go all in. And these are the people on there, the people who survived. The people who helped other people survive. These were the real encouragers in the biblical sense. They did whatever it takes to get people off the sinking boat and into the boats, the little boats that at least had a chance of surviving. They weren't lying. They weren't pretending. They weren't just trying to comfort. They weren't trying to encourage in an emotional sense. They were helping people get where they needed to go. They were helping people have a chance to one day become what they needed to become. And the last big point that we've looked at today is stop criticizing and start encouraging. No one from the sinking Titanic survived by saying, you know what, if they just would have paid a little better attention, you know what, if there weren't so many icebergs in this water, you know what, those were not the people who survived. The people who survived who just looked at the situation honestly in all of its uncomfortableness and did exactly what needed to be done. They helped other people to the lifeboat. They carried them if necessary. They sacrificed their own lives to get the other people there if necessary. These were the true encouragers in the spiritual sense, in the biblical sense of the word, and that is what God is calling us to do for each other. Romans 12 verse 8 Paul is talking about a whole list of gifts and how we're supposed to use them encouragement is in that I want to just acknowledge that for a moment and then we've got one one more challenge that goes to everyone Romans 12:8 says if your gift is to encourage others encourage if it is giving give generously if God has given you leadership ability take the responsibility seriously if you have a gift for showing kindness to others Do it gladly. And the list goes on. Here's the thing. There is in the scripture special giftings. There are supernatural abilities that the Holy Spirit gives to us. And some of you who are listening to this probably have that supernatural level of encouragement. Something in this message is stirring something in you. You're like, that is who I want to be. That is what I want to do. I want that to define me. I want to be known as a son or a daughter. A son or a daughter of encouragement. That's who I want to be. That's what I want to do with my life. I encourage you to press into that just like if you're we are all called to encourage we are all called to give we are all called to follow and to lead we're all called to be kind and yet the holy spirit has a supernatural ability to do each one of those that he chooses to give to specific individuals if you realize that you have that gift of encouragement we need you to play that role well but again this goes for every single one of us 1st Thessalonians 5:11 So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. This is not build each other up as in make each other feel better. This is build each other up like a coach training you to actually be better, like weightlifting and you're actually literally getting stronger. Your muscles are actually growing. Encourage each other, build each other up just as you are already doing. You wanna talk about being uncomfortable? One of the most uncomfortable things for us ministers to do is to offer an invitation. Because we're always afraid nobody's gonna say yes. We're always afraid that somebody out there is thinking, but I've already made that decision. This is uncomfortable that you keep asking. My simple invitation for anyone listening right now is this. If there is somewhere you need to go that you have not gone with God, I'm encouraging you no matter how uncomfortable it is for you to admit that, do whatever it takes to get there. And if things are right with you and God, but you are not encouraging others, you are not playing a role in the people around you in their lives, you're not playing a role in their lives where you are helping them get where they need to go and become what they need to become. Start doing that. Get busy encouraging people or whatever God is calling you to do let me encourage you do it get it done